Hey there, comedy fans. We want to talk to you about Big Grande's Teacher's Lounge. It is an improv comedy podcast that is back for season three on Stitcher Premium with new shows every week. Big Grande's team of Drew Tarver, Dan Lippert, John Mackey, and Ryan Rosenberg take you inside the minds of teachers at a fictitious high school where they do some of the best improv that's happening anywhere. Listen to Big Grande's Teacher's Lounge Season 1 completely free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Earwolf.com, or wherever you listen. And when you want more, for more Big Grande, head to Stitcher Premium for the weekly release of Season 3. Go to StitcherPremium.com teacher and use promo code CRACKED to get your first month of premium for free. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam, and I am also, also excited about DNA robots. Yeah, that's right. DNA robots. Regular DNA is made of molecules called nucleotides, and a team at Caltech announced this week that they're using nucleotides to build robots. Robots with hands, arms, feet, legs, and the possible future ability to do medical procedures for us inside our bodies as a team because they are only 20 nanometers tall. If you want to Google what that means in a measurement you understand, it's very small. You'll see. And I don't know about you, but that team of bots sounds like a movie to me or a tv show you know it would be Grey's anatomy with robots inside of our anatomy i would buy a movie ticket to watch robots kick ass inside a literal ass i don't know about you and that's what today's episode is all about real science that ought to be a science fiction movie from space diamonds to evil fungus to head transplantation we are going to invent decades of cool sci-fi movie premises by reading the paper, by blowing out the actual science happening in real life. Also, we got to do this episode live at the Now Hear This Festival. If you've been following the show, you've known how excited I am about the fact that we got to do that, and it went great. I'm joined by Cracked's own Michael Swaim and Cracked's own Brett Raider on this episode, along with comedian Claudia Kogan. You can find her everywhere from Last Comic Standing to the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. And we're also joined by Nagin Farsad. She is a TED Fellow, an Earwolf family member, and host of the excellent podcast, Fake the Nation. Two other quick things about this episode before we get into it. Number one, at the very start of taping, there was a feedbacky sound thing in the room. It was real weird. We're not sure exactly why it happened. Our best guess is that my raw masculine energy overloaded the electronics again. It happens a lot. Anyway, it's not great radio, so we're going to drop you right into the action of the episode. We hope that's okay. And number two, our show at the Now Hear This Festival was in a Saturday morning slot. Also, the New York City subway is extra buggy and hot this summer. And our festival shared its venue with RuPaul's DragCon 2017, an event so festive and so fun-looking, my feet almost took me there instead of the podcast. Anyway, in spite of all those things going on, hundreds of you came to our bright and early live podcast and contributed fascinating science and movie ideas on the spot. Point being, fans of this show are incredible. You are philosopher kings. We can't thank you enough for coming out to the show. Anyway, this episode is killer. It's time you heard it, so please sit back or keep taking the F train to 9th Street and then transfer to the G to get up toward Atlantic Terminal to take the LIIR to Ronkonkoma Station in Islip. Sorry, sorry, I went back to being New York, Al. 
who I once was. Anyway, please enjoy this live episode of the Cracked Podcast from the Now Hear This Festival 2017 in New York City. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Michael, you were, uh, as we were talking about this before, talking about a uh, sort of magic vest, a vest that lets people hear. Everyone loves the vest. Yeah. So you walk into a big Hollywood producer's office, and let's say the last thing they did is passengers. So they're they're in the sci-fi quadrant, but they're not good at it. (laughs) And you say, have I got a vest for you? There is this vest. You got to go see this TED Talks by a guy named David Eagleman. Him and his cohorts, I imagine, uh, invented this vest that is basically a bunch of very complex vibrators in a vest that you wear. So if anyone's familiar with, you know, video game controllers, like, (laughs) the vibration's gotten pretty complex, right? My controller will vibrate and I'll be like, I'm about to get shot in the head. Or it'll vibrate in a different way and I'm like, I'm about to get shot in the back of the head. So vibration's gotten very specific and he realized that you can link that to human thoughts. So what they actually did was they took, uh, they took a population of deaf people and gave them the vest and had the vest vibrate in specific patterns to represent specific things. So the simplest example, so that we're not sitting here all day, is like, let's say your phone rings, right? We all have unique ringtones, barking dog, uh, Spider-Man theme song, bells chiming. Golden you guys, Girls from, theme right? Song. Exactly. A deaf person. I guess they could look at the picture, but for the purposes of this experiment, they wanted a deaf person to be able to like hear a ringtone. How do you do that if that's your challenge? So what they did is, everyone who calls, the phone rings, but also your vest vibrates in a very particular way. And what's amazing to me is, it's not in a way where you could be like, oh, the vibration spelled out, mom. I guess mom's here, right? It's just like a certain sequence of one of the 132 things vibrate. And that vibration means mom is calling. So after a little bit of existing with the vest, people in the study would start to go, okay, the phone's ringing, it's Jeff, and I don't know how I know that. Like, I feel psychic. (laughs) Like, I know it's Jeff because the vest told me. Yeah. So they are looking at other ways like, wow, what does that mean about the different ways? We already know there's people with synesthesia who like, smell music, etc. How can we use crossover senses, not only to augment senses that have been debilitated, but to create new senses? And the example uh, I threw out in the thread was like, let's see a Limitless movie where with, instead of a a pill, which makes no sense for so many reasons, it's like a very capable stockbroker who like goes deaf and then somehow gets shaken out of the business because he feels like he's not, he's not his cutthroat on the trading room floor, right? And then he gets this vest and he plugs it into his computer on a whim and after a few days he can predict the fluctuations of the stock market perfectly. Yeah. So like what do you do with that? Or if you want to go more traditional, we create a bunch of like a platoon of super soldiers who have vests and when it vibrates they go, that means I'm going to get shot in the back of the head and they whirl around. I like that traditional is a platoon of super soldiers. That's amazing. I think the traditional sci-fi route is shoot (laughs) the aliens in the face. Yeah. Right, right. (laughs) Wait, can I just say about that TED Talk that I was actually there for the taping? Thank you. Not to brag. um, Ted and I were chatting backstage. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like the, the way you just described it, like stripped away all of the beauty of what this technology is. Oh, good. 
You're familiar with the site, right? It's cracked.com. That's what we do. No, but it was just like, in the, I was like crying in the audience for the potentials of this technology. But oh, and it helps deaf people here. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to Wall Street it up, baby. Gordon Gecko. Wait, but I, I watched the Money tech- never sleeps. In the vest, no one can hear you greed. <laughs> Tagline. The thing is, though, is you have to wear this vest, and it's like during the TED Talk, the guy, the scientist took off his shirt and is like wearing this like kind of like what looked like a like a Columbia sports vest with like a lot of like tech stuff on the back. So it was like weird to see this guy go from like, hi, I'm like a TED Talk guy to like, I'm about to like climb a wall. Like it was very like it was it was very jarring. I was like, I mean like if you're gonna I'm like if we're gonna do this technology right, can we just get a designer involved? Is what I'm saying. It's very the first act of a supervillain where like Alfred Molina's like, let me put on these four arms. They're fine. Oh yeah, that suit's getting fused to his body somehow. We don't know how yet. The amount of stuff I feel like I know about the stock market is one, money is valuable. Two, <laughs> stock trading involves wearing a really bright jacket and yelling a lot. So like, yes. who, if we give this technology to Wall Street, I feel like they're just going to turn it into an orange blazer, you know? I want to see the stock floor that's hundreds of people, though, try, some of whom who are still learning the vest, <laughs> trying to learn, like, buy the, oh, no, I'm vibrating, sell the, oh, God, <laughs> trade corn, I think, what do you want me to do, vest? <laughs> But for women, I do feel like I was thinking about this when I watched the TED Talk that like ladies would have to feel the vibrations like through their boobs. And there's like that layer of like it changes the meaning by the time it gets to your I don't know. There's something about about like the boob filter that I think needs to be worked out. Kevin is calling and he's thinking about boobs, I think. (laughs) I can read your thoughts. Stop it. Uh, speaking of human enhancement, there's also a, Nagin, you had found a piece of actual science which is going on where companies are turning their employees into basically cyborgs. Yeah. So you, like, basically companies are putting microchips. There's a company, I don't remember where it was. Yeah. Um, I just really b- briefly skimmed the article. Um, <laughs> and the, and the, they were putting chips, you know, they allow, like they said to 50 of their employees, like, you can put microchips in your head and then, or no, it, it goes in your hand, like in the, in the uh, L shape of your hand. And um, the, you, it helps, like, you don't have to use a key card to get into the building, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, you like eventually I think could like pay for your cafeteria lunch with the the, the microchip um, there's just a lot of really great applications like that that have to do with y- paying and walking through buildings um, <laughs> I do like they're like it's so mundane for such a futuristic here's your shitty scoop of creamed corn the future is now <laughs> No, and I just thought, like, immediately thought of the movie Office Space and, like, doing a remake of Office Space where somehow the chip makes things a lot more productive and, like, less annoying because, like, eventually the chip can send, like, the TPS report, right? Like, you don't have to even go to someone's cubicle. Like, your chip will just communicate to another chip. But then instead of the cathartic scene where it's a gangster rap music, they take the baseball bat to the fax machine... 
he has to cut off his own hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it turns into like 127 hours yeah. or whatever, <laughs> and it's really traumatic, and nobody wants to watch it. Here's what I don't get is we, like, I just had to take a corporate training, but about network security. People are at least aware of, like, we're not good at that. So when it gets to the point where I don't type emails, I just sit motionless with my hands in front of me and my thoughts are composed into an email and sent out, like I don't want that technology to be imperfect at all ever. There can be right. no risk of my thoughts accidentally being reply all to people. <laughs> that can't be allowed to happen. But think of the convenience, waving your hand in front of a vending machine, <laughs> not having to take out your credit card, it saves seconds. It's great. All I would want is self-drying hands, because so far there is no hand-drying solution that's worth a damn. I just want heaters inside my hands. But, but like, who puts in the chip? Like, someone actually has to insert it in your body. And it's like, I yeah. work with so many people who I would never want even touching me. <laughs> like, that's so, such a weird concept. Like, you're going to put it, like, you're going to take a scalpel and open me up. Like, Don, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't want anything happening to my body at work, <laughs> like, is really what I'm saying. And also, I think it would feel like a rock in your shoe. You know what I mean? Except for, like, in between your skin. And you can, you're like, oh, oh, it's in there forever. I don't know. Like, I, could, I think it would feel annoying. I just, yeah, yeah I don't want an IT guy being like, let me see your hand. What you been doing with this hand? My hand's not working. <laughs> yeah. It's not working. No, it's working fine. Let's reset this hand. It, doesn't <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it can't do some of the things it, it used to do. It used to do a lot of. What exactly? You know what? Never mind. Go back. Go back to your cave. <laughs> I feel like any good sci-fi movie where there's any kind of human enhancement, it happens in some kind of pod, and there's a lot of fog and, and a dramatic reveal, you know? And, like, this would be done by Jeff. You know? Like, you just walk down the hall, and Jeff does it, and then you've got it. <laughs> well, and is. Whoever's pioneering this, they're the, f like... We are living alongside the first people on Earth to start doing this, so it's amazing yeah. that very recently there was someone who's like, here goes nothing, let's put this chip in your hand. <laughs> I also like the idea that, like, compared to these people, a Luddite, like, the new definition of a Luddite is someone who, like, just likes to have a wallet in their bag or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, the Luddite is now becoming a very specific term. It feels like Luddite will eventually become like, oh, you're completely made of flesh and meat, you fucking Luddite. Why? Are you some weird religion where you can't get a laser eye? <laughs> While we're talking about enhancing and changing humans, Claudia, you were letting us know about a head transplant doctor. Someone is planning on doing that in real life and yeah. not some uh, Luc Besson movie or something. There, there is a, there is a, uh, an Italian neuroscientist. Dr. Zismore? Dr. Zismore. <laughs> <laughs> he starts with your face and he goes deeper. Um, no, I, I, I have to like, I, I'm sorry, I can't even, I can't, like, I need to like go get his name, but it's like, okay, so there's an Italian neuroscientist and he has been working for years, like he keeps making the news about doing a head transplant. It's a Sergio Canavero is his name. Thank you. Which is the, <laughs> the best movie name that is not in a movie. It's great. I will chop off of your head. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make it nice for you. Um, that's how he does it. He's a, he's a very, he's a where's a chef's hat. Um, <laughs> but when I, so this guy has been working for years 
to try to have a head transplant happen, you know, it's faced with a lot of uh, obstacles because that's really not a thing that <laughs> happens very easily, um, as you can imagine. So he's been working on like like fusing like spines and like and the thing is like he if he doesn't do, like he promised to do it in like December 2017 in Russia and then he was like no 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 it's going to be some other time in China like he's like <laughs> sort of moving around the globe to like less and less ethical places <laughs> he had like a head donor in Russia who's like a guy who's like paralyzed from the neck down and then they asked him like so then when when the doctor changed it they asked him afterwards like how, like the donor like how do you feel and he's like I'm a little relieved and it was like because like there's other things you can do for people who are paralyzed like you don't have to give them a new body you you, know, you can work on like other things about enhancing their body so so this guy is just sort of dead set on doing it though and and you know that like even if he doesn't do it somewhere like a hundred years from now like someone will do it so Oh, and as, right. as Alex pointed out, um, this doctor has called it the Gemini Project. Be protocol, I think. Yeah, yeah. Gemini Protocol? Yeah, yeah. I guess like, more evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that story, is, it's amazing. And I like Bond movies a lot. And the Gemini Protocol is such a thing that would happen either in a sea layer or in space. One of, the, one of those, that's where you're doing your head removal and reinsertion. Yeah, it's very analog. It's very 60s, you know, yeah. like the Gemini Project uh, or Protocol. <laughs> so anyway, so like I'm just thinking of like, like there's so many things that you could do with this, like so many ways you could go with this cinematically. Like obviously like a supervillain who's been hiding out for years with like, with like a withering body, like decides to like make the, like, you know, Vin Diesel uh, take his head, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, and then Vin Diesel has to escape. Like that's like the most obvious. And then I was like, well, but what about like a B movie? Like, you know, because this is really is like a b-movie thing like what if they put the head of some like supervillain on a bear you know that would be so much fun to watch <laughs> and he would know like the, like the hunger of a bear but coupled with like the know-how to like order seamless like that would be <laughs> you know just a fun thing to watch you know I mean, poor bear though <laughs> i can't find it but this movie already exists there's a super dated b-movie it's shouted out if you know the actual title. It's like The Man with Two Heads or The Thing with Two Heads, which is even more insulting. <laughs> but it's, believe it or not, it's a super racist dude gets oh, the no. head of a black American <laughs> attached to his neck and like they have to work out their differences. So that's the level of pitch in like 1971 that was going over and selling. And I think it is, but you're right though that there's, this weird branch of scientists who are like, damn it, we said there were gonna be flying cars, we're making flying cars. Long after everyone's like, Hyperloop is better, so we're gonna have these super fast subways, or segways, I guess, I roll. But like, clearly we don't want all the average drivers in just flying cars with no regulations. And you know, there's still a movement of like three or four very dedicated scientists who every five years are like, Here's the improved version of our hover car that no one wants anymore. Here's a three minute video of it. It goes three inches off the ground and needs to recharge every yeah. four seconds. So I, yeah. I love that this guy's just like, well, if I never do transplant heads, like what have I been doing? Just fusing spines together? Like this has to work. This has to end somewhere. Yeah. You will not Can give I up. ask a question though? There's like a donor head guy in Russia. <laughs> what about the body part? Like, who's doning the body part? Yeah, if I were an <laughs> organ donor and I could somehow, like, be a ghost above my body and they're like, 
Yeah, decapitate him for the head transplant. I'd be like, rescinded. No, <laughs> you don't then bury it. You don't get it yeah. for that. <laughs> I mean, I'm in such a bond space with this. I feel like you only get the minute details of it when you're strapped to a slab with a laser coming toward you, you know, and you're getting told. I love from your body language, Alex, the laser comes crotch first, even though yep. they're decapitating you. Yeah, yeah. I want you to suffer, <laughs> Mr. Schmidt. They've seen Goldfinger. They get it. <laughs> Yeah, it is, it's an amazing process to me because I feel like you could play it completely as a comedy or completely as a horror movie or completely as a drama, just however you want to do the head swap by mad Italian film. <laughs> yeah. But I like the idea of like a really gentle story that's not at all like anything exciting where like the guy gets a new head um, and he just, he discovers that like he really likes CrossFit and then like he just <laughs> does some exercise throughout the movie, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. and he reconnects with old friends. <laughs> <laughs> or it would be me like, oh man, maybe in my next body I can do CrossFit and not be such a fat person. <laughs> not that I'm fat, but like, and then I will just destroy another body by eating Chinese food all the time. Oh, and, oh no, I did it again. Time for a new body, Dr. Zeesmore. You get a punch card from New York him, references. Yeah. <laughs> Tagline from the original poster for the thing with two heads, which is much worse than the man with two heads. They transplanted a white bigot's head onto a soul brother's body. I guess the doctor blew it. And for the audience in the room and at home, uh, there is a man riding a motorcycle, <laughs> and he's a got motorcycle. a white head and a black head, and they're, like, just doing it. Right, and clearly the black dude is doing the motorcycle jump, and there's just, like, Archie Bunker's head <laughs> yelling at him directly in his ear. It's awful. Yeah, and two fewer helmets than I would like, <laughs> frankly, for the motorcycle. <laughs> Um, do you guys want to go to space? I feel like we can go to space. Yeah, right that's now. all I've ever wanted. Yeah, I think, Brett, you found a remarkable story coming out of space Russia. Yeah, and it involves Russia, too, so it's not too far of a leap. Okay. <laughs> the 80s. The Mir space station. We all know that. They had their own space station. They called it the Mir, and there was a fungus growing on it. They didn't know where it came from. It was just growing on it. And I had a whole pitch for the movie that uh, I then realized was just the movie Life, which came out this year with Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds. I, I read the full Wikipedia for it. Don't want to see Underrated. It's super good. It Any is. <laughs> Anyways, there's some great stuff on it. There's this fungus. They don't know what's going on with it. I did some more reading. I thought at first, like, oh, no, we don't know where this fungus came from. It just, like, came from some microbe in space, and it's growing, and it's taking over. They were worried when the mirror crashed down in 2001 that, like, what's, what's going to happen? There's a great quote from the BBC article about it that said the mirror is uh, planned to crash down in the waters that are New Zealand's responsibility. And it was just like, oh, just let those guys deal with it with their funny accents. <laughs> Reese Darby. <laughs> but I did some more reading about this. They know where the fungus came from. This isn't a horror movie about a space fungus eating Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal. This isn't about some fungus coming and taking over the earth and being some blob. This is a party bro comedy in space because all these Russian astronauts were just me in my 20s 
not cleaning anything. <laughs> the Americans got up there and they're like, have you cleaned anything once? Have you like wiped down the bathroom? And they're like, no, this is like a college dorm up here. They opened a service panel that no one had opened the entire time Mir had been up there. And there was a water globule in there the size of a basketball that was all white and cloudy and gross. <laughs> this is true. This actually happened. So maybe the first half is like... They're like, duh, we all contributed to that one. <laughs> there were a bunch of cosmonauts up there mm. that were just me before I moved in with my girlfriend. Just not wiping stuff down. The, they only use the microwave, and they don't wipe off the microwave after they, they use the Hot Pockets, so there's a little like cheese crusted on the, the little spinning plate. You don't know what they eat in space. <laughs> Hot pockets. It sounds like they're not going to get their deposit back. <laughs> so Aren't maybe Russian the- hot pockets like hot pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kill myself. So maybe the first half is like a bro comedy about these Russian cosmonauts just like not cleaning things, all using the same towel, right? Not washing it for months, not changing their sheets. And yeah. like only cleaning up when their parents come to visit them. Because I also I like the idea that in real life astronauts and cosmonauts they train very hard on every part of the space mission. So now in the future there's going to be like a cleaning simulator as part of the overall thing. Yeah. Like they turn off gravity and you have to mop. You know. Well, then in Act Three they find out that the Americans are coming two days early. <laughs> so there's a cleaning montage. You know, slides through the space station in his socks, wipes shit down. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that movie, but I feel like you picked the most boring thing to ever happen in space a, as your concept. <laughs> a party? <laughs> like some mold grew. And it turns out it wasn't from space. <laughs> <laughs> the mold was coming from inside the ship. <laughs> I also I want a scene where they're like, you know what the best part about space is? No parents. <laughs> and then, <laughs> in space, no one can scream at you. Oh, I was going to say no one can hear you spore. Yours is much better. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so that's the first half is they're, they're just fooling around being jerks and trying to not let the giant white globule hit them. And then the second half is literally the second half of the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, oh, which I have all, not they seen. They still all yeah. die. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, is the story found about it, they described it as uh, the, a space expert was talking about the fungus, and he said, the organisms which have spent 15 years quietly mutating in their own isolated environment on Mir. They can Mir. almost buy cigarettes. <laughs> right. They have, a, they have a learner's permit. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, it was chewing through electrical wiring and paneling and stuff. It was real, and it was just like their fart microbes. I don't know. <laughs> You don't know where fungus comes from either. <laughs> I think space is underused for just straight up comedy. <laughs> it really is something we should do. And there is a story I found. I don't know, Pluto Nash, I thought, really covered all the bases. I don't need any more. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Withdrawn. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> there is a story um, about something that's being developed by people as technology right now, which are microbes. It's a yeast called Euroea lipolitica. It's this yeast that can be used by astronauts to 
create things that they need in space. They can feed it stuff, and then it generates omega-3 fatty acids, which a lot of people take as a health supplement. You know? My favorite fatty uh, acid. <laughs> and then there's also a different kind that they can feed food, and then it poops out um, plastic that they can put into a 3D printer and print things that they need with. So they're outsourcing a lot of the resource work, if they want to, in space to microbes. And there's got to be some kind of comedy where they just keep outsourcing more and more of the work to the microbes until the microbes are kind of running the station. And then, then there's a rivalry, you know, and the microbes try to out-astronaut the humans. I feel like our role in space is very tenuous now. I don't, I don't think we have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to lose to microbes. That reminds me of, I think, one of the branches of technology that we don't see pushed enough in fiction or in real life is, like, yeah, integrating with bio and like with things that already exist in nature. Yeah. A long time ago, like in the 80s, there were studies showing that trained pigeons do a better job at quality control in a factory than humans, than trained humans. What? Because if you teach a pigeon using positive reinforcement, peck the green thing when there's any imperfections in the product, peck the red thing, I switched them, but you know, green, good, red, bad, and we'll come delete that one and check it. Um, the pigeon cares way more about getting its kernel of corn for pecking the right button than a human cares about anything. <laughs> Unless they're a heroin addict and they get a heroin for doing this. So, um, Have they, we tried giving the workers corn? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Have also, we tried giving the workers heroin? <laughs> <laughs> that was the control group, weirdly. It was, a, it was a different time. They started playing saxophone. But weirdly... No, even though like all we do as corporate overlords in this world is look for a way to like, you could, you could outsource all these jobs to an animal that you feed corn, but no one will do it literally just because it sounds so insane. <laughs> like this scientist didn't have scruples. They went around telling like, you know, Ford Motor Company, you should use pigeons <laughs> and give us the, you know, pay us to train all the pigeons and you'll save some X amount on workers, fire all the workers. And they're like, we can't be the first company that like has I mean, a pigeon workforce. We can't do it. Didn't, <laughs> can't do it. Wasn't it reported that the U.S. lost like seven trillion dollars a couple weeks ago because everyone at the same time just left their jobs and stared at the sun for 20 minutes. <laughs> Is that how much did we lose? I don't know. GDP? I don't know. Yeah, we lost like 700 billion. I don't know. I didn't come with the facts today. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> I came with the Russian party on the mirror, baby. Woo! Woo! I brought the fungus. <laughs> what else do you need? I don't know what, where fungus comes from. <laughs> When two moles love each other very much. <laughs> we could call the space station Fungus Slav. No! <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that pigeon thing, though, is very like 60s Don Knotts Disney movie. You know, yeah. like, like, like he's trained a bunch of pigeons to work and then he can't get them a job. Like that's, you know, but like they really do the job. Yeah. And so he has to do it in secret or something. I don't know. They're loose cannons, but they get the job done. They shit everywhere, yeah. but they get the job done. Yeah. But then don't they also become obese because all they do is eat curdles of corn? I don't think they had like a huge moral qualm about the, <laughs> the pigeons dying of massive heart attacks and replacing them with a new pigeon. <laughs> like, I don't think that was even an issue brought up, but you're right, probably. I yeah. mean, PETA would be all over that. I mean, keep in mind, this could easily be a horror movie because this came from B.F. Skinner's research, who's the same guy who was saying, 
let's not do this with pigeons. Someone please let me adopt babies to do this with. And he couldn't get permission from anyone to raise their baby in a box that punishes and rewards them (laughs) for specific behaviors. Somehow no one was down. (laughs) But he was like, he wanted... You can go to China, though. Yeah, he famously wanted to take six babies and raise them in a box that would make, like, one come out as a cop, one come out as a politician, one come out as a mathematician. And I think he's transplanting heads now, is what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) Under his new name. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, the weirdest thing is pigeons are actually better at transplanting heads if you get the pigeons to do it. It should go up without saying that for the rest of the podcast, everything we talk about will be better with pigeons. (laughs) Yeah, we can stop saying pigeons now. Yeah. (laughs) When we say guy or human or whatever, just no, pigeon. Brett, you you had brought up a, a thing that... Facebook is up to where they tested out some AIs and had some hilarious results. Guys, Facebook did the thing where you like go to a, like a site or you download a thing and like all of a sudden a bunch of pop-ups come up and you're like, you just close the laptop and you're like, I just did something really bad and I'm just going to close my laptop and forget about it and hope that it's not there when I come back. <laughs> they are working on AI stuff because they're Facebook and they're going to try and take over the world and their CEO wants to be president. And they had these two chatbots talk to each other and conduct some sort of transaction. I don't know. Again, I didn't bring the science. So these chatbots start talking to each other and then within a few rounds of conversation instantly start developing their own language that humans cannot interpret at all. Horrifying. That's awesome. <laughs> Do they have any proof that they're still communicating information to each other? Or could yeah. they have become gibberish? Okay. You didn't bring the science. Didn't bring the okay, science. sorry. So they're like, uh, th- they just closed the laptop and they threw it out the window. And they're like, what AI? We weren't working on anything. Frantically dug the chips out like, of their hands. Would you like to play Farmville? <laughs> but here's the movie. All right. The AI stuff has taken over. We all interact with robots and chatbots and whatever. It's the future. There's robots. The robots start chatting with each other and coming up with their own language that we can't understand, but it's a drama. It is about what, what we're dealing with right now, where people being like, get out of my country. You don't speak American, goddammit. But with robots. <laughs> or pigeons. <laughs> so you could have a movie where, like, the, the robots are fighting for their right to speak their own language together, but we, the humans, we have to look into ourselves to allow them to do that. And I think that's the movie. And we all come together, hopefully. Yeah, or we all kill the robots. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of well, like the uh, origin story in The Animatrix, where they make their own separatist robot society. Exactly yeah. what I was, because I know all about that. <laughs> With a little arrival thrown in, yeah. Well, yeah. Kind of like District 9, no? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the real issue is whether or not robots are adorable. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's where we really come down as a society. Like, can we? Because the robots in District 9 or whatever, these aliens in yeah. District 9, they weren't robots, um, were gross looking. And so that was like a big problem. Yeah, because we're going to have, I mean, we're going to deal with robots. In, this, in our lifetime, we're going to be dealing with robots. And some company like Google Glass is like, hey, Google Glass, it's these stupid goggles you wear on your face and no one wanted to buy them. So someone's going to come up with a robot that looks horrible and ugly, but 
once someone makes a robot with like big Disney eyes and like you don't know if you want to fuck it or not, <laughs> then they're gonna be making their money. You do. You always oh, want to fuck on. it. I'm just come saying, on. someone, someone's gonna, like once someone comes up with a, like an attractive looking robot. People, Did you not see those Furbies, dude? Those things were hot. <laughs> no. Very confusing for me as a young man. Put a two Furbies next to each other, they start talking in a language you don't understand. We're not going to go to the... I know what the Furbies did already. We're not going to go to the Q&A where you tell us what robots you think are hot, so if everyone can line up with... No, don't do that. Uh, Oh, sorry. There is, with pure robot cuteness, there is a robot on the International Space Station now built by Japan's space agency that is a little orb with two absolutely adorable eyes on it. It looks like Eve from Wally. Yeah, and it's a little helper bot, and its job is to go around and check on systems and just pitch in however it can. Clean stuff. Hey, robot, clean this. (laughs) (laughs) And it is my future best friend. I want to meet it. I feel like we really got to get into this because several of us brought up this on the preparatory thread. Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking, both widely respected, are feuding about this exact issue right now. Uh, I agree, Nagin, it will have a lot to do with like whether it is appealing visually, but like, are we gonna become cyborgs? Is there gonna be AI? If AI exists, will it definitely destroy us no matter what? Or is it not a threat and that's all just sci-fi malarkey? Can I do, real quick straw poll, round of applause for if if AI ever becomes self-aware, it will inevitably replace humanity as the dominant force. So round of applause for yes. 65 to 70%. Round of applause for uh, compu- like AI either can't exist, becomes self-aware, or is so flawed that we'll always just be able to turn it off. Okay, so people are scared. People yeah. are scared out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with the second people. I like... Computers don't work so hard. I just don't see it happening. <laughs> like, if we launch all the nukes, it'll be because a human pressed the wrong button, not because a computer wanted to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you said it'll be fine, and someone right in the front was like, wow. Yeah, yeah, like, which like, was fantastic. No, sir. <laughs> you are dead. <laughs> You're the first against the wall. But I, I mean, I agree that, like, Right now, it's not like we have awesome, like I spent 20 minutes trying to connect my dad's printer to his laptop. Now, I mean, he's like an immigrant and an older gentleman. So I have those really angry conversations with him on the phone where I'm like, just hit the thing that has an X on it to close the window. Just do that, but I'm doing it in Farsi. And so I sound like I'm plotting like a terrorist thing. Anyway. Um, but so it took me 20 minutes and I was like, why is it so hard to connect this printer to this stupid laptop? Like we have so long to go. I don't think we're talking about millennia before that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as technology goes, I have relatives who do not know how to listen to this. Like when it comes out as a podcast, I I love them. We'll figure it out. Have Uh, you tried having them just take their hand off and put it back on? That usually resets it. Power cycles it. Today's show is brought to you by Casper. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's got supportive memory foams that create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And you might be saying, hey, what does this guy know about Casper? 
I'm all well-rested over here because I sleep on one. It is a fantastic mattress. You can try it risk-free for 100 nights in your own home. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. But if you're anything like me, you'll just keep sleeping on it very, very happily and be bouncing around the office like, look at me, all this energy. I'm ready to go. The entire Casper company is dedicated to you sleeping well. I'm over here sleeping well. Come join me. Come join me in dreamland, man. Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, Casper is quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com cracked and using offer code cracked. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that is casper.com cracked and use offer code cracked for $50 off and a better night's sleep. Today's show is also brought to you by stamps.com. Anything you can do at the post office, you could do right now from your desk with stamps.com. You can turn it into where you do that business. That's right, in your own place. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike that post office, stamps.com never closes. So you can get postage whenever you need it, 24-7. I use their service to print postage. They sent a little scale so I can just weigh it in my place. I can also just play the game of, you know, I try to predict the weight. Then I put it on the scale. Then I see if I was right. It's a game with just me. I always win. It's fantastic. Right now, use my code CRACKED for this special offer. Four-week trial, including postage and a digital scale. America's favorite game. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in CRACKED. That's stamps.com. Enter code CRACKED. That way you get a deal, and we get all kinds of credit for being a great pal of theirs. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Yeah, I found out, that's my favorite thing I found out from attending this great festival and hearing the other podcasts is all of our like parents, or a lot of us, yeah. sit at home in front of their computers and just play the podcast and listen and go, that's my boy, or whatever. <laughs> like, um, my mom, her, like, my aunt and cousin were visiting, and they sat in silence and listened to a three-hour episode of Vonna Guys. That's what they did. No. It's very upsetting, right? <laughs> yeah. You got to stretch or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for a walk. <laughs> we also just have a lot of pure robot stuff. Like, I feel like there's going to be a sixth or seventh Terminator movie soon, even though there are already much more interesting robots than those angry skeletons going on in the world. Because, um, well, Nagini picked out robots that they built to grow like vines, except yeah. way faster. So this I thought was really weird. There's these robots that are like... You know, they start out really small and then, but they can grow themselves as fast as like, faster than like the fastest running person, Usain Bolt or whoever. Um, yeah. And so, like, th this can, so they can multiply very quickly and, um, and they can go through, like, the idea is that they would go through like narrow gaps or um, sur they could go through surfaces covered with glue or nails. So, like, through debris, you know, through some kind of, um, after some kind of disaster, um, they can go through rubble, maybe. If there's, like, you know, a situation where someone's trapped, um, they could even get oxygen to that person. If they grow into that little space, um, they can transmit oxygen through these little robot vines. Yeah, uh, I know what's going to help humans accept robots more quickly. Robot tentacles that can find you anywhere. <laughs> 
anywhere you hide. I think they did make this movie. I think it was Terminator 2 <laughs> with the metal fella. Yeah, I just started yeah. imagining myself like in rubble and then like something's like trying to grow into my nose. I'd be like, yes, now this, now this. Like, like, and like it's a, a metal tube goes in your ear and starts going, it's okay, relax. We're here to help. You're going to be fine. You're fine. <laughs> I'm He's sorry, Tentacle, you cannot explain this in a way where it will be okay. <laughs> Making the story found, it said that the fastest person, Usain Bolt, can run at about 28 miles per hour. That's about his speed. And these vines, there's videos of them growing at about 22 miles per hour. So the, the fastest person can get away from them for a couple hundred meters. <laughs> Oh, I didn't uh, even think of it as an escape scenario. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Usain's running, and he's like, I'm gaining on it. And the tentacle's like, they're good at sprinting, but just wait. We yeah, got yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> Humans like, have a short but shelf we, we like to think of robots as like looking a little bit like people and having arms <laughs> and stuff like that, right? And in this vine, but this is a more interesting situation because... I kind of picture people using them like, you know, I run a like a bespoke like beanie making company <laughs> and I have like I do everything by hand except for now I have four hands because I made these vines to like knit my beanies with inspirational messages on them or whatever. <laughs> and you know, I just, I can see it just being like a like a romantic comedy starring Greta Gerwig obviously and, and the yeah. tentacles as <laughs> himself. <laughs> And she, like, can't find a guy despite being blonde. And um, she go, you know, but she, like, meets someone. But Chris O'Dowd. Like, Chris O'Dowd. Oh, I'm a rum tentacle man. Um, Everybody just sounds like Ringo when I do an impression of them. <laughs> but then, like, the vines end up, like, hilariously attaching them together. So they have to, like, learn how to be oh. a couple. It's like that lady on the tramp piece of spaghetti. But yeah, they exactly. Push them. Yeah, but yeah. robot vines, and they won't let go, and you're stuck forever. Yeah, or stuck <laughs> on you if it was way scarier. <laughs> like, I can so clearly see them testing this for the first time, and, like, maybe they thought it would grow at a rate of a few feet an hour. Like, I don't know. Like, you turn it on, and it just starts crossing the room towards you. You're like, we made a huge mistake! Everybody run! <laughs> Like, this is, did you not? No, and there's no indication that they can control the speed either. I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe they can, but Look, like. Look, it's 22 it miles an way. hour and nothing. That's where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a comedy, I like the overall trope of movie shock, you know, like movie surprise. And if it's an 80s one, the robot starts growing and they're like, oh. <laughs> oh, Pulling yeah. at their collars. Oh, boy. That bet was just for you guys. You know? uh, what does it make itself out of? If, do, do we know what, yeah, what's it eating to um, grow that fast? I did not bring the science. So, uh, no, I don't know. There, it's a material that like, requires a little bit of energy to reproduce. So if you cut off that yeah. energy um, that's, that's fueling the base, then it does stop. I see. Yeah, much like us. <laughs> <laughs> Seems legit. There's also, as you mentioned, there's that overall debate going on right now, Musk and Hawking, and I forget which one, but one of them wanted to legislate, didn't they want to legislate something where there cannot be autonomous robots that Hawking fight? Hawking scared Musk thinks we'll be okay, I think. No? Flipped it? Other oh, way around. okay. Hawking thinks Thank we'll you. be okay. Thank you, audience. Musk is scared. Yeah. <laughs> Easy to remember, the Musk of fear is wafting off. Right. 
But like these Vine robots, I don't know if they qualify in the category of, because it's the kind of thing yeah. where they could be the, the death vines that go get us, or like Nagin said, they, they knit, you know? <laughs> I'm just sad it's too late to have vines make vines. Rest in peace, vine. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the, that, well, that is very much like the big gray blob theory or what of the apocalypse, right? Which is, and that's, I guess that's what I'm more scared of is, if we ever invent a robot that eats stuff to make more of itself and we lose that robot, <laughs> they, it, like, it's, it's a law of exponentiality that we will soon all just be eaten by nanobots until we are whatever they poop out. And the when, earth is just a sphere of whatever that material is. When, you, like say, when you say lose that robot, do you mean like we lose track of it and it just leaves the building? Yeah, and then... yeah like a nanobot goes rogue yeah, yeah. and like decides a, yeah. uh, maybe instead of eating the plastic you told me to eat, I can eat anything. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. like Ice Nine, but robots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're Vonnegut familiar. Yes. Man, we're plugging our other podcast a lot of this. It's <laughs> great. Or it feels like, like in this case, if the vine wanted to go rogue, it could just keep growing, and then it could be like that hands across America thing that we were trying to do in the 80s, where like everyone held hands across America, but like the vine could actually do it, and then you know there would be like a song by celebrities. And then there was peace across the world, yeah, but not in the way you imagined. Everyone's just dead. <laughs> well, and as far as ordinary tech being a thing, Michael, you had an idea about a lot of the little mundane things that we're already seeing sort of combining into this massive movie. Well, Claudia, did you also pitch the self-driving car one? Uh, no, but I can, if you want to oh, Okay, about it. well, I'm not stepping on anyone's toes by stealing the self-driving car one, because it's fairly obvious. But I just can't believe, as Alex pointed out, that there's this movie called Geostorm, where they have to, what, you like it, Brad? <laughs> I watched the trailer this morning. Oh, on, I see. On, yeah, you're just so request. unscientific you wanted to confirm a fact. You're like, yes, that's the true. The movie does exist. <laughs> it's, also, it's also a trailer where a character says, a geostorm, <laughs> to camera. It's fantastic, yeah. so far. But, you know, it's the idea that, I, first of all, I love the idea that in the midst of all these hurricanes and fires, uh, I guess the Earth is not falling apart quickly enough for the movie to be a disaster, so we create satellites to stop the Earth from having inclement weather, and the satellites, someone like flipped it to evil instead of good, and they make us have inclement weather even more. So it's just the movie SimCity hard mode <laughs> with like traffic congestion everywhere, no matter what you do. You're like, I got a 16 lanes, what do I need? Um, <laughs> old SimCity reference, but, <laughs> but uh, the point being, uh, there's all these technologies we have right now that you don't have to make up, like weather-controlling satellites that I think make for a much better Roland Emmerich movie. Self-driving cars, cyber-hacking on the rise, internet security and network security is lagging far behind cyber-hacking, like Anonymous can take websites down when they want, obviously governments that are always doing more than you think they do can do more than that. <laughs> and, yeah. So what happens when you're like far enough in the future that automated cars are like mandated because it is statistically safer, fewer people would die, right? So it's a matter of time before you have to drive an automatic car and it's only assholes who are like illegally like crashing into people. Um, so in my movie, they'd be called dumb cars. And our hero is like, I guess Jay Leno or like, no, no, no. Like a, like a, okay, I was actually thinking of uh, if anyone played the game Full Throttle, Maureen, like the competent mechanic, 
who collects dumb cars as like a hobby. And this is like a really quaint vintage hobby, right? I do, and I do think we will actually use that term because I've heard people use dumb phone Already, to refer to right. not a smartphone, yeah. So she runs a junkyard that no one's interested in anymore and she just puts cars together in her spare time, that's her hobby. Then, whatever entity we hate at the time, whatever other, like Russia, I guess, hacks all of like the, our network so you now have like, I don't know what the, like how she gets to the place to shut off all the evil cars, but your hero has a set number of cars uh, that she can control, has to car chase her way from point A to point B, and the villains are just every other vehicle that exists. It's like the best car <laughs> chase premise ever. Any vehicle period is just trying to crash itself into you constantly. Yeah. Like if you imagine 2012 scenes, but with only cars like flipping through, I think that could be really dope. And also to make matters worse, a lot of the autonomous cars would have people in them that were locked inside at the time the event happened. So you'd be like, all right, I blew up that car. I can't blow up that car. There's like kids screaming in the back of that car watching Cars 9, ironically, on the right. little screen. Yeah. <laughs> but is there any nudity in this movie? Like, that's what I... Uh, where are you going with that, Nagin? <laughs> there can Let's be. hear it. No, no, <laughs> no this I'm should have been like... the question about every movie. <laughs> is, this, is that what sells it for you? First yeah. of all. I mean, there's like, pigeon nudity. Can I see nudity, some but... overly developed abs of a man in this, in this movie? You know what I mean? Like, otherwise, I don't know that I'd sit through it. <laughs> see, I Like, was... all cars just crashing into each other throughout the planet? Like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know how we, we end it, though. We just get rid of roads. Ooh. <laughs> what if we got rid of roads, guys? Or like all the people just go off road to an area with lots of ditches and the cars are like, yeah. fuck, we're fucked. <laughs> it's called ditch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, like there's the community of people hiding out from this world and it's like, you're safe, there's no roads here. And then you just see all the people in the community really struggling through mud. But yeah. like, this is better, this is better. It's great, it's great. But even if there are simple solutions like emergency systems where you break everyone's car in America, you know, comes to a stop or whatever, so that like the movie's not tenable, but come on, Geostorm's not tenable? I'm pitching a movie here. <laughs> um, I do think it will become an absolute reality that I'm ready to predict now that there will be murders and intergovernmental assassinations committed by causing car accidents with autonomous vehicles. Like, we'll never know, but America will kill Castro Jr. 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 by just, like, having his plane crash. We will do that. I guarantee it. <laughs> Everyone's like, that's not funny at all. Yeah. <laughs> he usually interrupts for a joke reason. <laughs> now he's stealing that bit Duh. from Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> I do like the idea of an action movie where, because this would be every vehicle on earth. Like, I like an action movie where somebody's like, oh shit, and you reverse shot and it's a mail truck or, some, or a tractor <laughs> or some other atypical, very slow vehicle. Yeah, like a farm full of automated wheat threshers just goes for the nearest mall. Like, that would be terrifying. That would be rough. And I love all the like, because now every asshole owns a drone. Like, if they are, like, you're running down the street and their drones are just bouncing off your head. Like, it's not fatal, but it's pretty annoying. Dropping Amazon yeah. packages on you. Have any, have any of you guys seen that real video of it's a drone over a Renaissance fair? And a guy at the Renaissance fair throws a spear and kills the thing. 
and it's POV from the drone, so you just see him like like a man from the past to save us. <laughs> it is my favorite. It's great. <laughs> the sign said you got to be in character. Sorry. Anachronisms, no. Right. Metal bird and just... Uh, Claudia, you pointed out that Europe, a place that I don't trust... No, they're fine. Uh, they built an X-ray laser that is something, it's something that is apparently used for, I think it's space stuff, but also they, it can look in a very minute way at molecules. Yeah, okay, so they built this x-ray laser and when I first read the headline I was like oh my god so you can like point it at a building and see who's inside like that sounds cool but it's not <laughs> like that it's like it's more it's like a molecular level laser where it's like a combination of like all the like colliders you've heard of with like your like Kelvin like everything is held at like like two degrees Kelvin it's like really cold and it's like great for beer <laughs> and um, <laughs> crack open a cold one. Yeah. Da, um, da, send some up to us. Yeah, da. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Yuri, when you your can it. turns um, blue, you know it's minus three Kelvin. <laughs> <laughs> taste the Rockies. Yeah, taste the Rockies. Also, I am, I am a genius and don't need to ask, but Kelvin, uh, like very, very low Kelvin, is that like below zero? Or something? Yeah, like absolute zero okay. is like cool. when no, there's like no energy left. It's like it's, zero Kelvin. Yeah, it's zero okay. Kelvin. Yeah. Um, I knew that. Okay. So everyone knows. No, uh, but anyway, I, I can't, I don't know what it actually translates into Fahrenheit or whatever we use uh, nowadays, but. Um, uh, we use Fahrenheit. We use, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm from the future, guys. No, um, USA. 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 Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, they have this x ray laser that what it does is like it can look at a, a like a molecular transaction like how like penicillin gets made you know so like what the comparison of this like journalist in the guardian was like it's like what we have now is like like you can see like a guy who's like about to pole vault so you'll see that guy on the bench and the only technology we have right now is it like shows like the guy over the vault so this is like this would like take a picture of like things like jumping over and like in motion. So we'd know how penicillin was like actually formed like on this molecular level. It's like, it's gonna like, like help like advance to the next level of knowledge. And so like I was reading that and I was like, oh my God, like what if we just like, we look at that and it's like, like we know too much. Yeah, like it's like yeah. we're not supposed to see this, you know? Like it's almost sort of like the science version of like I don't know, like the ring or something. Like you're gonna see that, and you're like, I go crazy. Like, like all the scientists you use are like now mad, you know. I don't. Know. And then I was like thinking, like I think that might just be me after I read that article <laughs> because I don't understand it and I'm scared uh, and I still don't know what artificial intelligence is after this whole podcast. <laughs> Someone explain it. To Four me days after. after you watch a mitochondrial spindle separate, you will go crazy. Yeah. And kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I we're just all doing it. It's the mm, thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I was raised on cartoons, uh, so I imagine we can see that minutely and that finitely. And it turns out there's a Whoville kind of thing down there, and then we're disturbing <laughs> it. You know, that really upsets me. <laughs> that kind of is happening in the field of advanced physics, and I feel like we can't get bogged down too much with the insanity of quantum physics. But if you try to teach yourself like what's new and happening in quantum physics, a lot of it seems like that. Like a lot of it feels like, uh-oh, they looked too close and now they're insane. Because <laughs> it's like a guy with nine doctorates going, 
Okay. Okay, okay, God, thank God, we figured it out. It's 11 phases of vibrating strings creating a magical sphere system that <laughs> manifests reality as we see it. And you're like, uh-oh, he went crazy. <laughs> um, but there really is a lot of evidence that on the tiniest level, the universe is insane, like doesn't make intuitive sense at all which is awesome to me, it's cool. <laughs> well, I like that science is figuring out all those details and then when a movie works out something like that, it's just a blob thing or something, you know? <laughs> like whenever they go that deep, it's just, and then he had powers or something. I don't know, figure it out. Well, movies. yeah, if movies have taught us anything, it's that dark matter is just a black rock that kills you if you touch it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I want to know, I would love for the laser to figure out the sounds that are happening at the molecular level, because like the soundtrack of that shit would be really interesting, you know? Like yeah. beeps and boops and whooshes, but also like an atom being like, fuck you, like a whatever, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm sure there's some shit going on, like, you know, that, yeah. th that would be really rich audio. Audio now I'm wondering, sound waves are pretty big waves. I wonder if a sound wave can even meaningfully interact with a molecule. Like, can you? Well, now we need a real scientist. Brett, listen, <laughs> explain. Listen, if you want science, go to Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast in the other room. <laughs> go to how did this get made if you want a bunch of facts about science? <laughs> Paul Shear's really taken that show in a weird direction. Very science-focused <laughs> <It's just> now. <laughs> There is also a thing where the European Space Agency, they released audio recordings of space, just what it sounds like on some of their probes in space, and it sounds terrible. It sounds like very, very angry, dubstepy kind of interference. <laughs> And I don't want to go there anymore. It sounds I'll, loud, you know? I'll check it out at Coachella. <laughs> let's start lining up for the okay. Q&A, but let, let's please, talk while people line up. Can I please Yeah, if laser. anybody has anything. I have a space laser sounds in space one. Oh, great. It's short, and now like, I feel yeah, like yeah. It's, it's destined to happen, which is just, they recently discovered, again, it's happened before several decades ago, a repeating uh, signal from space that, don't get too excited, seems to imply intelligence because it repeats in a geometric pattern. So there's reasons like a spinning pulsar or quasar emitting beams could be why. There's all kinds of ways to say like, it's not aliens, calm down. Again, but, ask Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> but very reputable scientists recently put forward a theory that is like, he's like, I'm not saying it's true, I'm just saying it could be, which is awesome, which is, what if the way that interstellar travel is eventually possible is with solar cell sails that collect you know, you fire photons at it, and that gets you up to near light speed. Did you, did you say sails or cells? Sails. Sails, okay, yeah. Where I'm going with this is space pirates, you guys. <laughs> it could really work out and not be crazy, because they recently invented a thing called a time crystal. That would be your booty, obviously. They all want time crystals. <laughs> they set up series of lasers in space just to create an artificial current. So you have, like, set currents that you have to sail your ship around, and then they would like bury their treasure by putting it in a pocket dimension that's quantum entangled with a different point in space. So that's like X marks the spot. You have to find the exact right quantum entanglement point to unlock all the time crystals. That's where it falls apart. Time crystals are not valuable in any way. <laughs> It's just a good name for what space pirates would hoard, right. I think. <laughs> They're in a briefcase with gold light coming out of it, and yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. It's just, I always thought space piracy was the most nonsensical genre mashup I ever heard. <laughs> now I fully expect when aliens land for them to be like, 
Arr, we've come for your crystals. And that excites me. <laughs> That's so great. Oh, there's so many of you. Wonderful. Uh, as, as you come up and say your movie and, and uh, science and all that, please just give us your name and then launch into it. Go ahead, first person. Hi, I'm Jeremy Spiegel. I, uh, hey, Jeremy. I, you know, we're, we're worried about an Elon Musk, and everyone is worried about what will be down the road with AI. And so this is, not, this is a problem now. What we don't realize is that unwittingly, each and every one of us is slowly becoming a CVS employee, okay? I hate self-checkout, okay? Ah. Now you have, I feel uh. like a self-checkout chicken, and then you have someone that is sort of running around like the, the rooster in the CVS uh, checkout. And so unwittingly, I'm doing things that I have no interest in, but now all of a sudden I'm sort of co-opted into this craziness. Just in the, it's sort of the same way as with Facebook, we worry about this sort of hypothetical big brother down the road in the future, but of course that's happening now. We yeah. willingly give up our uh, you know, information because of so-called gamification. It's fun, you know. So yeah. now I'm actually, I tell myself how good I am at putting the product on the right side of the machine. Because Which they've tricked you into exactly. doing, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I went to a fast food joint where you ordered at a kiosk, and the only human you ever saw came out and put your food on the table. I was like, I don't like this, because this is one step away from I have to get up and pick up the food. <laughs> That's coming. I don't want that. Like a chef's hat comes down out of a tube, and I'm like, oh, this it's is what I do. Now. All right. <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. That's great. Thank you. That yeah. also makes me want to ask the crowd, who here, based on advertisements you are served, is pretty positive your phone is listening to you even when it's turned off? This oh. is my conspiracy theory that I'm absolutely sure my microphone is on at all times. There's times where I'm like, you couldn't have known that. Stop <laughs> listening to me, Steve Jobs' ghost. But also, you know, what happened to me this week was that people kept calling me to tell me to stop calling them. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't know who you are. Why would I call you? And it's because someone hacked my phone number and is like, so I'm basically like, ha like I'm like spamming other people and Whoa. I don't even know I'm doing it, so. Yeah, yeah, I, that's happening to me. I'm getting phone calls from people all the time. And I'm like, why am I getting all these phone calls from what, what seems to be a very similar number? Like, yes, like six yeah, or the yeah. seven digits are very similar. So are very similar to my phone number. And I looked it up and they're like, oh yeah, they're just stealing people's cell phones similar to you. And yeah, no, so we're now like, we all work at a checkout line and we're also hacking other people's <laughs> Replaceable, phones. Replaceable, yeah. But it might come around <laughs> where it's like, all right, part of the game is you have to go to Kansas and kill the cow and turn it, and then you're just gonna become the farmer and you are gonna become the whole supply chain of getting the hamburger. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying technology gets so advanced that it goes back to you raise the cow, kill the cow, cook the meat over a fire and eat it, and you're like, your computer that you wear at all times is like, you did it right, everything yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hi, I'm Luis. Hi, Luis. Um, so, first of all, I can't wait for the AI version of Arrival where like we're behind glass mumbling and my phone's like Louise. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just mumbling back like in incomprehensible gibberish because I guess English has evolved. Um, yeah. But also my, my real question is what happens when HR gets a hold of hand chips because I feel like if I get fired or I go to a different job, they're gonna have like minusculely different 
hand chips, and Jeff is gonna have to be like, ah, shit, that's the old model. You gotta like, we gotta swap that. This is gonna, and then this has to go through compliance. Or there's <laughs> the right. the cop movie version where it's like, Chapman, give me your badge, your gun, and your hand chip. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's going to be a nightmare because it's already hard to, like, transfer your 401k or whatever, right? So, yeah. like, this yeah. is going to be a lot of paperwork. Like, what happens when I have to set up a new email, but it's my hand? Right. One of my favorite oh, no. sketches of all time, and I can't remember the trooper, I'd shout him out, is IT 500 years in the future. And it's a guy being like, now rotate the purple sphere to a feeling of sadness. <laughs> See, that took care of it. Don't call me next time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you, the, they'll definitely put in a vibration function where they know everything you type now. That's going to happen. <laughs> uh, so my name is Dane. Um, hey, Dave. So there's a true story that happened. Um, I don't know what group put it together, but they were like, oh, what, wouldn't it be a cool idea if we got a robot together to hitchhike across? I don't know if it was just the United States. I remember that, yeah. But it was also, I, it oh. might have been other countries. Yeah. Yes. But once it got to the States, they were like, oh, okay, we'll start it on one coast and try to get it to the other coast. And it would just, nobody would follow, travel with it. It would just be sitting on the side of the road and anyone could come pick it up and travel, bring it to wherever they're going and let the next person pick it up. It, it got to the point in the trip where they lost track of it and someone had just picked it up and torn it apart and killed yeah. it. This might like be wrong, robot. but yeah. I think it started on the East Coast, and once it got to Philadelphia, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> Eagles! <laughs> so, Carson so, Wentz! So I was asking where to get a good cheesesteak, and they're like, you're not from here, are you? <laughs> I'm a Geno's man, you fucking robot! Right. So, so I'm thinking the movie could be um, maybe sometime into the future. Maybe robots aren't scary, but robots have some kind of rights. We've actually given them rights. They're, they're nice robots. And now it's a cop drama, and somebody killed a robot, and now we've got to figure out. I thought you were going to pitch that the Robin Williams movie Bicentennial Man would have been better no. if someone ripped him apart halfway through. <laughs> I, okay. Which I would have so, agreed so with. It's, so we pick up after Bicentennial Man. Someone killed Robin Williams. It didn't end like the original. Too soon, sir. <laughs> So, How so, dare you continue down the same line of thought I brought up? Someone killed his, the robot, and now the cops have to figure out who killed the robot. It's a murder mystery kind of thing. Yeah, I see that. And it was the vines, obviously. Yeah, it's, uh, the vines. Yep. Not to be a victim blamer, but in terms of hitchhiking, cash, gas, grass, or ass, no one rides for free, and that robot should have known that. That's it. And that was like a put-on character. I'm not... Okay. Well, what I want to do either, you know, did the robot, was it even a robot or was it just it like a like, block of wood could work? Like, were they getting the word yeah. out on the internet and saying, pick it up at this location or did it self hitchhike? It, I don't think it was totally humanoid. I think it was like a block with a video screen that's, that's like, what, please, I'm hitchhiking. Please take me like, to the West Coast. I could yeah. get a block of wood moved across the country if I called my friends and was like, pick it up here, move it here. Well, also, uh, we already dunked on Philly. Great. But uh, if I remember the story right, uh, the U.S. was its second journey. Its first journey was Europe, and it went fine. Yeah. The Europeans were very nice. And then Philly, no, it, I can't do it. It went to Norway and got free health care and education. <laughs> well, sh sure, it's a wasp robot. I mean, otherwise it might not have done so well. Either. Let's go to the next one. Uh, hi, I'm Albert. Hi, Albert. Uh, first, I just wanted to say, when one of those factory pigeons gets promoted to middle management, the resulting workplace comedy is called Pecking Order. Nice. Oh. Nice. 
That's very good. Whoa. Very good. Thank you. You didn't wing that joke. <laughs> so my side. <laughs> so biometric identification is kind of like this thing that's becoming really big. You know, it started with iPhone. You've got like your Touch ID, where you can unlock it with a fingerprint, and then Microsoft has like you can unlock your laptop with your face by looking into the camera. And when you call into HR, sometimes it's like your voice print is your identifier. Mm. And at this point, like, you can identify yourself with all of these things that you are, but what they found is they're not that high tech. Like, you can just actually make a plastic thumb to defeat Touch ID. You can actually hold up, like, a picture of a face to unlock the computer, even, like, the eye scanners. Really? Like, you can hold up, You like, imagine it's really getting in there with the laser and doing some not. kind of measurement. No. Yeah. You can get, like, a high-resolution picture from, like, thegardian.com or whatever. And, and here I've been ripping out Vagrant's eyes to get yeah. through. <laughs> this is right. so unnecessary. Minority Report, totally unnecessary. Just, so I'm just imagining this movie where this like chameleon trickster like rises through society by just like getting like a plastic thumb of like of the president and then like putting on like a bodyguard's like picture like in front of his face. <laughs> yeah. And so like eventually you have this like Mr. Potato Head who is in control of everything. <laughs> a biometric heist movie would involve some of the dumbest shit you ever saw. <laughs> Yeah, they like have a bag of the guy's breath that they collected while he was asleep. They release it at the safe and like waft it. That's great. Yeah. Biometric Heist is a good movie. It's just Home Alone with the tape recorder. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to me that eye scanners are so beatable. I feel like they're just checking for an eye, if that's right. You know what I mean? Like it's like the, the chip, the debit card chip, where you're like, well, this is much less convenient. It must be better in some way, but it's not. It's just less yeah. convenient. Thank, Thank you, you Alvin. Yeah. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm Alan. Hey, hey Alan. And um, I was thinking with uh, the bacteria that makes uh, plastic and all that, you have a space colony, the bacteria starts going wrong, you find out it's actually gained intelligence. It's become like a little kid, it's bored, it's like making poison instead of food, medicine, whatever. It then becomes intelligent to the point where it becomes a uh, bright teenager, starts like a whole communist revolution, and you now have intelligent bacteria that's trying to fight because it's tired of doing all your labor. And the sequel to that would be where it becomes intelligent, mature, so it's now trying to be a politician and get civil rights for itself. And you have this whole race of like, can you trust a race of bacteria that's intelligent but can also kill you at any time? <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes 30 and it's like, ow, oh, I'm like really hung over two days later for no, I, I, can't, I can't drink as much as I could. Yeah, space bacteria going through generational stuff. Like it, like it becomes a teen and builds a mall on the station. I'm really hoping we get there. <laughs> One tiny edge of the fungus just becomes batshit insane and ruins it for the rest of the fungus. Stuff like that. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Hi, I'm Sheridan. So I'm stealing this from a Mary Roach book called Grunt, but basically right now the army has to... The best way to find out what happens to a soldier when something like blows up around them is to basically put a bunch of corpses in a car and then like blow that up. But people don't like blowing up corpses because the government has to do that and it's really gross and icky. So right now there's a bunch of people working on creating basically dummies that are as close to human as possible and then blowing them up. And what I want out of this is like the deep psychological indie movie about someone like a scientist who has to go into work every day and create something as human as possible. Like, give it a face, give it eyes, connect with it like a child that they're building, 
and then blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then do that over and over again and just watch the slow mental decline of investing all of your energy into creating this human thing and then exploding it. See, I'd go the opposite way. I would investigate who are the people who are excitedly volunteering to enter this field. I would follow the person who's really into it and enjoys the work immensely and try to figure that person out. And then maybe, maybe <laughs> go look, look in their fridge. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't this all covered in the 90s by those crash test dummy guys who were in every commercial for a I don't even know what it was for, but do you remember those guys? They, yeah, they were the OG, the dummies. cavemen. Yeah, we're talking crash test dummies instead. Yeah. Yeah. I love how detail-oriented it could get. Like, oh, I create their wallet that has too many coupons still yeah. in it. It's amazing. And it reminds me of something people should just check out. It's not science, but it's super cool. There's an Asian sculptor from, like, hundreds of years ago. If I had more details, it would be easy to look up. But he was an amazing woodworking sculptor, and when he knew he was dying, he made a sculpture of himself that says, like, photorealistic as possible. It has no joints or, like, seams. And then before he died, he removed his own teeth, fingernails, toenails, and all the hair on his body and placed them all individually in the thing. Yeah. So you can see this statue that's like, before technology was there, someone already tried to do this. They're like, I will live on. <laughs> and I heard they put his brain in it and just nothing happened. But. <laughs> hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah. My, yeah. Name's, uh, my name's Gavin. So there have been massive advancements in uh, prosthetic technology. There was this one uh, runner, I believe, and he got his legs amputated, and his new legs were so amazing that he couldn't apply for the Olympics. Yeah, he got disqualified. Him, yeah, <laughs> it gave him such an advantage. Uh, people are making stories. like octopus tentacles instead of arms. And what, what happens uh, when it becomes a good thing to lose an arm because you get an improvement. And what happens when the AI and your new limbs start talking to each other and sending codes that you can't understand? Ooh, and the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. You think to yourself... <laughs> <laughs> it better not have been whoever suggested pecking order because I will fight you outside about puns. <laughs> <laughs> you come home at night and you want to jerk off, but your hands like... Yes, I, I, yes, I do. Go right, on. Go What's on, next? Yes. Correct. Does jerking off happen in the future? Right. I feel like we've got to, if we have this level of mastery over tech and biotech, we will just have an orgasm app. There you go. I'll take three. Good. I'm good. Real good. <laughs> yeah, turn down the moisture level and go. I am in a meeting. <laughs> do you just buy the app or is it in-app purchase? <laughs> yes, that's it. You can play some horribly boring game to earn orgasms, or you can just pay for the silver coins. Yeah. <laughs> I have to watch a 30-second ad before I orgasm. <laughs> Thanks, Gavin. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, I'm Brendan. Hey, Brendan. This is kind of circling back to, uh, I guess, Gavin's question a mm -hmm. little bit. But um, so the James Bond franchise of the Daniel Craig era is grounded in what I call uh, post 9-11 realism, like very similar to the Nolan Batman movies where like mm -hmm. they're not gonna do anything too silly. But yeah. one of the classic tropes of the series is somebody who has like an impediment that becomes an enhancement. So assuming the series like continues on that trend where like 
they allow other franchises to embrace silly elements, but they mm -hmm. remain more grounded. Like, how long until that's like not silly? Like, if Christoph Waltz come back comes back for the next movie, like, is he gonna have some kind of metal cybernetic neck. implant the over man his with like messed up eye? Or is 2019 like too soon for that? To that earlier question too, I think the answer about like what happens when it when it's better to have it is that it will become an elective thing, right? Like. Right now, we just have, you lose an arm, so you get an arm, if you can afford it. I think in the future, we'll totally have people who are like, I can afford a robot arm, I'm getting it now. You can take my old arm and do whatever you, you do with it. That's what, what's the new market for like all like, the, like, I want my arm removed, but it wasn't destroyed, it's a perfectly good arm. What do you do with that? <laughs> and I think it all depends on like, if it makes you look skinnier and hotter, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, yeah. cause everything is driven. Like the market responds to that for sure. Totally. <laughs> Here's what you do. You slowly collect all the body parts people electively cut off, sew them together into bodies to blow up for the police. <laughs> Some really creepy guy somewhere just lost his job. <laughs> and I think I'm that perfect vertically integrated company. Uh, we're, we're out of time, and thank you so much for coming to our show. Thank you, thank you. Thank you to Nagin Farsad, Claudia Kogan, Brett Rader, Michael Swaim, I've been Alex Schmidt. Thanks for coming out and have a great fest. You're wonderful. Thank you. Folks, that is the episode for this week. My thanks to Michael Swaim, Brett Rader, Claudia Kogan, Nagin Farsad, and a couple hundred New Yorkers who know what's up. Thank you again for coming. And it's time you found out more about what's up from our footnotes. We are linking off to all the actual science news we turned into movies today. Anything you want to know more about, from the implausible, like that head transplant doctor, to the definitely real robot vines that you can watch grow on video. There is evidence. It is weird and cool, and it was a joy to compare it to sprinters. Just fun, you know? Human Robot Olympics, let's do it. Speaking of getting weird, we have Cracked Podcast t-shirts for sale at podswag.com. One of them is the official Schmitty the Clam t-shirt. You can clam it up the way your pal Al does with a comfy soft tee from podswag.com. We also have other shows, Cracked Movie Club, Kurt Vonnegut's, and season one of Cracked Gets Personal wherever you get your podcasts, so check those out. And be sure to check cracked.com this week for even more news about even more shows. You'll see it there. And as far as this show goes, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Hear them on Daptone Records. Our episode was engineered by the team at the Now Hear This Festival. We thank them again. It was co-produced by Brett Rader. Find Brett at Brett, R-A-D-E-R, -E on Twitter. And if you love this episode, ah, uh, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. Science's revolutionary achievement in telling me stuff if you didn't get to be there at the festival. Find me under the name at Alex Schmitty. I'm also on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. There's a newsletter, there's GIFs, it's a good time. And I'm happy to say that we'll be back next week with more Cracked Podcasts. So how about that? Talk to you then.
Thank you for listening to our show. If you're looking for a next one, check out Big Grande's Teacher's Lounge, the improv comedy show that is back on Stitcher Premium for a third season. You can catch season one completely free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Earwolf.com, or wherever you listen to shows. And for more, head to Stitcher Premium for the weekly release of their third season. That's StitcherPremium.com slash teacher and use promo code CRACKED to get your first month of premium for free. What is up? This is Andrew T, host of the Yozis Racist Podcast. If you need help dealing with your racist family, your racist coworkers, uh, this is the podcast for you. Yes, even white people. This week, check out my episode with Brett Gelman and Janixa Bravo. They've made a great movie called Lemon. Yeah. I hate yeah. being in like white spaces where the hip hop is playing super loud, and I'm like, I'm the only person of color here, and I know there's some, yeah. I know there's some browns in the kitchen. Yeah. So it's like if your front of the house is all white, you don't get hip hop. Listen to Yosis Racist on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Peace. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.